Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. Happy pre-Thanksgiving week, uh, if that's even a thing. Um, I'm getting geared up for it because I like to eat. I don't necessarily like being around people, but I like to eat. Like, if I could just have a Thanksgiving spread, just me and my dog, maybe my kids or something i don't know that'd be kind of cool but as far as like the other guests the other mouth breathers around me not a fan but either way that's coming up so that's awesome i have an awesome podcast this week uh decided to do a salute to 90s country got a couple of powerhouses here who just really tore up the 90s with their song and writing and lyric skills and performance skills all kind of skills we've got colin ray who's got a brand new album called scars that just dropped fantastic uh probably his magnum opus of his whole career had creative control finally got to do an album that he wanted to do on his own times so kudos to colin ray it's a thrill to get to speak with him one of the nicest people in country music really really a thrill and also uh one of my personal favorites uh marty rabin of the band shannon doa um they've got a new album out as well it's called every road and it is a plethora of uh artists guest co uh co-singers i guess you could say uh luke bryan blake shelton zach brown lady a uh, there's a ton. I mean, that's the ones that just came off the top of my head. But anyway, he's on deck to talk about that new album Shenandoah's got and uh, what they're getting geared for in the future, hopefully touring, because uh, the album is dynamite as well. Then I have a young lady on here who is just uh, a ton of talent. Her name is Noah Wall. She plays fiddle and does lead vocals for the Bluegrass Americana Indie, so on and so forth, conglomerate group known as the Barefoot movement now they just did a cover of crazy train by the one and only prince of darkness mr ozzy osbourne and they rocked the socks off of it let me tell you uh, go listen to it wherever you listen to music uh, I'll, I'll listen to it on youtube uh and uh, just uh, blew me away loved it uh, couldn't get enough of it i've got it download uh in my download pocket here on the old cellular telephone and uh, just really, really phenomenal. So check all that out. Special thanks to all those people that are on the show. And uh, let's get rocking. Let's uh, get it going. The salute to the 90s and uh, Barefoot Movement's in there as well. Uh, Uncharted Podcast. Here we go. This week on the podcast, we are saluting the 90s country stars who defined the entire decade and are still doing their thing and continuing on into 2020 and beyond. We have got lead vocalist extraordinaire of the group Shenandoah. Marty Rabin is on deck. He was kind enough to spend a little time with Brandon Skelton and I talking about the band's new album, Every Road, which is a compilation album with a ton of countries biggest and brightest superstars uh, Luke Bryan, Blake Shelton Zach Brown, uh, Lady A and that's just to name a couple uh, right now off the top of my head but anyway we'll get to talking to Marty right now on the Uncharted Podcast So listeners to the Uncharted Podcast it's no secret uh, my favorite country music singer of all time is Marty Raven of Shenandoah got him on the line man Brandon how are you doing sir? 
Man, I'm doing good, Josh. Always good to speak with you, brother. I, I, I know it's been a while, but it sure is good to sure is good that we uh, connected again, man. I, and I, I appreciate the uh, the kind things you have to say. Well, it's all true because my opinion is the only one that matters to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, this uh, every road as a youngster say is straight fire. I mean, there's no filler on this album. Love every ounce of it. Uh, well, let's just just talk about uh, how it came to be and. You've got Beyond a Star-Studded Crew along with yourself on it performing. Well, you know, it, it literally uh, has, you know, you hear this statement, but it truly is. It's been a labor of love. And I mean that because of, you know, all this COVID stuff and, you know, you're trying to juggle around schedules and, and trying to see where it is. But that, actually, the only thing that I would say where, where, where COVID has been a blessing has been in doing this record. Because what what it's allowed us to do, it's allowed us to get with these artists, uh, uh, the Lady A, the Zach Brown, the the Luke Bryan, the Blake Shelton, the Cody Johnson, Ashley McBride, Carly and Brad uh, Paisley. You know, it, it 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 allowed everything to slow down, so that it wasn't one of those kind of fighting things that we'd say, "Hey man, look, can you get to the studio? Can you get this done for us?" and and this kind of stuff. You know, because everybody's just kind of been in limbo. You know, this whole COVID thing, it's 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 like being locked in a room with no floor. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I know it. You know, but uh, it uh, was something. You know, when it was first talked about, and us first talking about doing a record with with the the folks at Foundry, uh, the conversation started leaning toward, man. You know, I tell you what, let's do. Let's get some guest artists on here, and and when we do, uh, man, let's do uh, Church on Coming Road and Two Dozen Roses. And, and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Man, if we do Two Dozen Roses again, that's going to be the fourth time we've recorded it. And <laughs> I'd almost be willing to tell you, if if, if radio's going to play Two Dozen Roses, they're probably going to play the original version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, man, let's, if, if we're going to try to get some artists on this, man, why don't we try to go to radio with some brand new material and, and help our effort out there instead of some stuff that you know they could play anyway? Man, let's see what we can't do about trying to, trying to get uh, – some new material. So that's exactly what we did. We, we set out to, you know, we put out the, uh, the music row facts that Shenandoah was looking for music. And the next thing you know, man, it started piling in and, and, uh, man, we started listening to it and going through it and go, man, I tell Hey man, this song, Dirch Bentley could do this one. This man, this sounds like Dirch Bentley. And then, then of course, you know, the, uh, then a girl walks in. I mean, yeah. that, that literally had Blake Shelton all over it. I mean, that that literally Blake could have done that by himself, and and that song would have been a hit. You know, well, I mean, because it sounded like a Blake Shelton tune. Which you know, it it it's also like that tune. Uh, he made the statement that uh, I lived it. I was listening to him one time doing an interview, and he was talking about if Shenandoah. He said the, the reason why I wanted to cut this because it sounded like a Shenandoah tune. And he said, "I know if they if if they were cutting and they were to get their hands on this, they would cut this tune." And then then they went on to play. I lived it, and then so it made me listen to it uh, with different ears after he'd said what he did. And then after I heard it, I got to think, you know what? It, it, it certain I guarantee it probably would have been in the running to get cut. So you know, uh, then a girl walks in, which just I, I think was a perfect match for Blake. Mm-hmm. And he turned right back around, and then there's the Lady A thing, and, and because what we were trying to do, Josh, we were trying to to make sure that we had a tune that fit the artist that we wanted to be a guest on the record, 
In other words, like I was telling you about the uh, the, the Dirk Bentley thing, that sounded to me like up on the ridge and, and that stuff that he did with the McCurry boys yeah. and all that stuff, that sounded to me like that tune. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why I said, man, that Dirks has got to cut that one. That sounds just exactly like Dirks. And so anyway, so then uh, Lady, a, Lady A had come. I talked to Charles Kelly, and, and I, you know, uh, we had done a show together in Wisconsin. And uh, anyway, so we'd swap numbers, and we kept staying in touch with each other. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I said, man, hey, look, uh, man, we're going to do this record. Uh uh, man, we'd give anything in the world if man if you'd be a part of it. You know, can you know can you talk to your other cohorts? And I said, yeah, man, that's great. Man, can we send you a tune? And said, yeah, man, send us a tune. So the next thing you know, they send us a tune that sounds like them. And then, you know, I, I put the first verse and part of the, you know, the chorus, and then then part of the bridge, and and then Charles, we sang back and forth, and and so man, it just fit, but. One of the things that we were trying to do, again, was trying to make sure that we had tunes that fit the artist mm-hmm. as much as it did what, what Shenandoah has done. And, and the one thing that, that, that I've always been really extremely proud about more than anything is, you know, we, you know, we, we profess and claim, you know, that we're songwriters. Mm-hmm. And you know, we want to be songwriters, but I, I'm, I'm so grateful that just like on a tune, like when a girl walks in, then a girl walks in, you know Adam Sanders and and uh, uh, the, the 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 brothers wrote this, and you know it was so much better than 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 anything that we could have written. You know as far as for Blake or something that he would do, and just knowing good and well that it sounded like a hit was better for us. And 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 it kind of kind of went back to the way that that we had built our career on, and that was that. It didn't make any difference whether we were songwriters or not. We wanted to cut the best tune. And if somebody had something wrote better than what we did, we put them back in our pocket and didn't let anybody hear them. Yeah. Because we knew good and well that what we were listening to was better than what we had in our pocket. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the best approach because, you know, so far every song you've ever cut that I've listened to, I've enjoyed. And it seems like you take your time when it comes to recording it. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, and you know, and I, I've listened to the whole album about 10 times already, but uh, I was watching the video today for the first time of you with Lady A, and it just seems like every time you're in somebody's presence, whether it's a superstar or a scrub like myself, we all grin the same way just to get to talk to you. It sounds, it's every, I, even all the young cats now still know Shando is the, the best, the, the GOAT, as they call it. I mean, what do you think about that? We see all the people when they get so excited. Like Bobby Bones got excited when he saw you uh, when you came in there to the studio. He was tickled to death. I've been a, a, a small town hero this week, just letting them going to get to speak with you. They're like, you're you're talking to Marty from Shenandoah. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh well, they, you've made me more important this past few days. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I but I I, I sure appreciate you saying that, Brandon. That's awful kind of you know. I I think one of the things that made it easier. Uh, for us being able to, you know, uh, to, to get get the other acts, you know, because nowadays, look, it's all big business. I mean, it really is. The country music business has changed so drastically, and you know, they go at things different. You know, you you got to you got to show up, uh, and with with so many credits and all this other kind of stuff. Which now, look, it's always been tough, but but I do believe that one of the things that that, that made it a whole lot easier for us to get the acts that we did on this record was because of what we had done in the past. 
and, and, and you know, look, and, and I'll say this, God, God blessed us then, and he continues to bless us. You know, and, and look, uh, the word says God honors those who honor him. And, uh, and I just uh, am grateful that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that more than anything else in the world, I, I, I'd rather give anything up more than I ever would ever want to give up on him. Yeah, he laid the foundation, that's for sure. He, he gave you all that talent, you've made good use of it. Well, and well I, he, oh, go ahead, sir. Uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, he he did, and, and you know, we, we just try to try to, t- try to take advantage of every bit of the opportunity you know, that we got. You know, there there were some artists that that you know that I had asked if they could be a part of it, and of course they were doing you know a new record. You know, Chris Stapleton was doing a new record, and. Uh, Keith Urban was doing a new record and stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it, what what really was flattering is you said, man, I I would love to be a part of it, but man, I you know, honestly, truly, you know, man, I, I've got my career's been suffering a little bit, and and I gotta I've got to work on some stuff for my own, you know, and you know, and and, and you gotta appreciate that when somebody says stuff like that, and and we do and did. And uh, and man, you know, for Urban or, or or Chris, either one to even take my phone call, you know, was you know was was awfully kind. Yeah, well, that just made me think. Uh, you know, if you're ever short a tambourine player, me and Brandon are never too busy. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, hey, a man needs a good timing. He needs That's a good time section, but man, man's got to be throwing down on it now. <laughs> Work for the monkeys. <laughs> well, hey, um... Marty, just kind of curious here with this new album. Have you guys looked at any touring and and hitting the road with it when when things open up, or what's the the plans there? Yeah, you know, uh, Brandon, we, we're gonna try to bust this thing wide open, uh, uh, man. Just as soon as you know everything, you know, kind of turns loose. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm hoping this vaccine stuff will, will come around and stuff like that. Which uh, I, I don't know. Maybe by the time the vaccine gets there, everybody's brother's gonna already have it or, or have had it. But, uh, yeah. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I mean that—that's our intentions and stuff like that. And even with some of the artists that are on the on the record with us on on every road, uh, we're, we're planning on going out and doing some doing some uh, some venues with with those with those folks as well too. Yeah, one thing I found about keeping the distance of six feet is I just quit taking baths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to worry about nobody getting too close to me. Um, one thing I want to tell you about this album and, and, and everything is that I love personally, and, and this shows you how deep of a fan I am, you revisited I'll Be Your Everything and just nailed it like a split hog. Uh, I love the bluegrass version, of course, but the country one was a great great one, too. What made you uh, uh, come back to that one and revisit? Well, you know, actually during the time, uh, we had another artist uh, that uh, that was involved and, and then you know the COVID thing uh, had kind of run her off. Uh, you know, uh, so therefore, you know, th- there we had the track cut, and and we we, we were actually going to do something different. And uh, but you know she loved she loved the tune. I, I pitched another tune, and it wasn't real real crazy about that. So then I pitched, pitched I'll be your everything, and, and actually I I literally had sat down literally in the same room I'm at right now. I took out my guitar and just over my phone had done I'll be your everything. Mm-hmm. And uh it said, Oh oh I love that. Yeah, let's 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 cut that. I said, Okay, well what is the key? Well what's the key sound? So it's a different octave. So therefore, you know, uh when it come around, 
uh, Mike and I were talking after, you know, the artist said, you know, look, said, you know, I, I would give anything in the world to do it, but I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to leave the house. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, I've got too many people that's dependent on me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've got folks that are living with me that, you know, that's elderly, and I, and I can't, I can't do that to them. And you know, you got to respect that. I, and there's no problem with it. Yeah, and sure. What, so, uh, Mike and I started talking. I said, "Man, we're going to have to find somebody." And he goes, "You know, Marty, uh, you know, Carly Pierce, uh, you know." I said, "You got? Do you have her number?" And he said, "Yeah, actually, I do." I said, "Man, send me her number." So I, you know, I got a hold of Carly, and I said, Carly, I said, look, we've already cut the tracks on this. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you and up front. I said, now, it wasn't that we were trying to outrun in front of you or anything like that, or we're overlooking you. But I said, we'd already had another another uh, artist that was going to do it, but but she can't. So I, I want to know if there's any way in the world, can I send you this tune and see if the key works for you? And if it does... Is there any way in the world you would consider being a part of this record? And she, oh, yeah, please send it to me. Mm-hmm. So she did, and uh, man, the next thing you know, uh, man, she came in the studio, and I mean, she absolutely blistered it. Man, I love the cry and the break in her voice, and it it seemed like it fit it so well. Uh, you know, you you had mentioned uh, the, the bluegrass version of it. Sonia Isaacs uh, had had done that. Uh-huh. Uh, man, Sonia's version of it was killer, but the country version that Carly did, man, it just lent itself to exactly, you know, literally what's not only going on right now, but it gave it that 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 that, that older uh, antique uh, country music sound uh, from a female vocalist, and, and and she literally lent it to that record. Exactly. And, and I, I, I could have said loaned it. I don't even think lent it's a word. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking, yeah, for 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 each uh, you know each uh, genre for bluegrass, it, it was great for that uh, portion. And then this one, exactly like I was saying, like those old duets that like like George and Tammy used to do. It had to feel like that, you know, something where you feel the heart on both ends of it. I, I just thought it was done perfectly. I, I really enjoyed it. I even teared up while I was trying to work earlier listening to it. Yeah, I, I tell you, man, she's such a. But you know, I'll tell you another little old thing about this tune. Uh, you know, when you hear two people do it on a record, uh, when myself and, and uh, Barry Hutchins and uh, Mark Normore, and Mark Normore actually had wrote "Moon Over Georgia" for us uh, as well too. Uh, anyway, so we we got together and we wrote that. And uh, wow. anyway, uh, it, it's actually a song. It's a love song to the Lord. Yeah, I'll be the first red yeah. morning. I'll be the first beat of your heart. I'll be the glimmer of sun that, that comes and breaks the dark. I'll be your constant reminder there's something good about today. Just let me lead the way, and I'll be your everything. Yeah, perfect. You make me want to stand up and clap. Go ahead, Brandon. What are you going to say? Well, hey, Marcus, you know, you're talking about that being as a song to the Lord. Now, of course, I know you've done uh, gospel singing, sung with the Gaithers. Is there also other uh, gospel projects in the future that you're looking at doing again? Uh, well, yeah, you know, actually, uh, uh, I, I got a, a my brother ha, has wrote a wrote a song. Uh, you know, he, he he's big into bluegrass. He plays with a group called uh, Merle Monroe, and uh, <laughs> and they're, man, they're killing it. I mean, they really are. They're tearing it up, and and man, so proud of them. I, I really am. 
man, they're working so hard and stuff and, and really doing it. Anyway, uh, 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 anyway, they they had a tune out earlier this year on the on the bluegrass chart. Uh, God's in control. And uh, anyway, I said, Tim, I said, man, if you write anything like that again, I said, man, it, if if you don't care, man, pitch that thing my way. And uh, anyway, so you know, he said, are you planning on doing a uh, doing 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 a bluegrass record, any kind of recording? I, I said, well, I said we just got done with this record. I said we're working this record now. And uh, he said, well, he said you asked me, so I'm going to send you a tune. And uh, and it's a tune called I Want to See Heaven. Mm-hmm. And man, it's 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 it, man, it's it's really good. It's it's about it's about a it's about a blind guy. Uh, or a fellow that's blind. Well, and, sing, uh, a, uh, sing a little bit to us, and we'll see if we want to play tambourine on it. Okay, what well, it says, uh, Well, I want to see heaven. I want to see the streets of gold. I want to see the nail-scarred hands of the one who saved my soul. I want to see Jesus, the one who is the light of that fair land. There's no place on earth I want to see more than heaven. Anyway, it's just a, it, it's a great song. Well, you got two tambourine players lined up and ready then. <laughs> yeah. You got me wanting to get baptized again. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's a good little old tune. But, uh, you know, we, we just been, uh, man, we just been really, really fortunate. You know, the the record seems like it's, you know, it took out and and took off right. Uh, uh, you know, even you know the opportunity that that I get today to you know spend time with y'all and uh, chatting about it and and telling folks about the new record. Uh, man, it's just been wonderful. It really has. It, it's it's been been really well accepted. Uh, folks seem to be be really digging it, and uh, you know, really honest and truly, we couldn't ask for anything more. You know. It's it's been really really good. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm not just saying that because I'm a super duper fan. It's just the whole way through. It's pure excitement. It's it's uh, it's my vote for album of the year. So I don't have too much clout, but if I did, uh, that's where I'd put it. I uh, wanted to tell you one more thing. I got a few seconds with you. I told him I stay close to time, but I go visit Fame uh, Recording Studios as much as possible. I wish I could move in next door. And um, uh, every time I'm in there, the first time I ever went on the tour, and they mentioned you guys recorded there, boy, I got tickled. I was happier than a pig in a slop. I was so tickled to hear that. Everybody was like, what's gotten into this boy? I said, you don't understand. This is my favorite country group, and they stood in here and cut tracks, and I just thought that was awesome. Did not know it prior to that, um, and just love that they mentioned you guys when they do that tour. Yeah, you know, we we did our first first three albums there at Fame. Yeah. Uh, fact, Rick, Rick Hall was was producer along with Robert Byrne and and uh, man that, that that was man that was some absolutely fantastic times it really was uh, of course you know Rick's gone on to be with the Lord and and uh, Robert has too and uh, it's really kind of sad even you know because I don't live far from there so when I you know anytime I'm going through town I, I, I always know it's there and and whether I'm looking at it off to the side or whether it's in peripheral vision or whatever, uh, I, I don't normally miss it. And it's not that I'm looking for it. It's just you can't miss it. Yeah, absolutely. You know exactly what's that. You're driving through town. 
Yeah, it, it, there's too much magic that happened there. But the fact that you guys was there is just icing on the cake. And uh, I've been saving my funds, and when the world opens back up, Lord willing, I'm going to buy my house out there and spend the rest of my life and come <laughs> visit you when I need sugar and ketchup. So. <laughs> well, brother, come on. I'd be more than proud to have you. In fact, I'll even give you some mustard to go with it. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it. Marty, God bless you. You're the greatest of all time. Uh, when the world opens up and you're touring close, uh, I'll be there. Brandon will be there. and We'll bring our uh, better halves and whoever else will tag along with us. And thank you so much. Hey, uh, this, man. This album, yeah, album's fantastic. Every road, everybody needs a copy. Hey, hey bless you, fellas. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that. God love y'all. We'll, we will. We'll, we'll see you when everything loosens up and we get a chance to Get out there and knock around y'all's part of the woods. God love y'all. Thank you. This week on the Uncharted Podcast, we are saluting the 90s country stars who define the entire decade and are still doing their thing into 2020 and beyond. What a thrill it was to talk to Mr. Colin Ray. Uh, he's got a new album called Scars that come out, and it is an album for every person. Uh, every song is a new adventure. It's like that box of chocolates that uh, Forrest Gump gets a hold of. You never know what you're going to get. You'll get an Americana song. You'll get a country song. You'll get an upbeat rock and roll song. Fantastic album Colin Ray was kind enough to share with us. And uh, let me go ahead and add that he is one of the nicest human beings I have ever talked to. It was really a thrill. Hope to have him on many more times on the Uncharted podcast. Let's get to chatting with him. Enjoy. Okay, Colin. So, uh, Scars November 20th. Uh, very exciting stuff. Great album. A lot of variety on there. Uh, I know you're excited about releasing it. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, for, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. And Josh, yeah. and, and I appreciate what you said about the album having variety. That's That's kind of what we were we're going for with this and it was so cool for the first first time in my career to have that kind of freedom to to where that's what the label wanted they said don't give us give us an americana type type record it can be anything you want it to be and i'm like seriously because i mean if you from the time i've made my very first album there's always been usually a bit of a formula that you you you, you find your formula you figure mm -hmm. out what's working for you and then once you once you realize it's working very well for you they kind of want you to stick to it. So we, in those days, we tried to be as creative as we could be and take each album to another level, but yet still kind of stick to the formula. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so here we are all these years later, and I'm getting an opportunity to say, no, there is no formula. You can, this can be whatever you want it to be. And let the songs we come up with determine what direction they go musically. You know. And uh, so I'm really proud of it. It's a real personal record. I wrote everything on it. Uh, or wrote or co-wrote everything on it except two songs that my brother wrote, which mm -hmm. is is the same kind of thing. You know, it's just so it's a real personal personal record. It was a chance for he and I to work together again. You know, <clears throat> here we are late in life. You know, getting to play music together again and and write together again like we started out when we were kids. And mm -hmm. so it was just a, it was just a a really special project to me personally all the way around. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you said it a little bit later in life, but the voice is still there, Colin. You still got the magic. Oh, buddy, thank you. That you know, <laughs> the, if you could see me now, your first thought would be, okay, you don't look the same. <laughs> well, I, believe it or not, but I, I still saw, sound the same. Yeah, yeah, I saw you not too long ago, like on a commercial when I was at the gym. Um, oh. That was a couple of months ago, though. It was something about I, I think spinal well, decompression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, spinal decompression. Yeah. And then, um, you know, of course, uh, that, and I was, wow, he's still rocking it on. That's good. But, um, you know, 
what what I enjoyed about the album, like you said, uh, you know, you, you already mentioned I was going to ask you, you have creative fe- uh, freedom, and with that, what's good is that every song is like opening a brand new door, opening like a, like you know, close to holidays, oh, a brand new Christmas yeah. gift, and I loved every bit of it. Oh it's my really, gosh, really thank you. That's exact. That's exactly what I was going for. Is because I wanted every every track. I wanted cut one to sound considerably different from cut two and cut two to sound totally different from cut three and just where it's just one surprise after another and i know that when when i you know by doing that i'm taking a bit of a chance that a lot of my fans that have been with me for a long time may go i don't know if you know this is this is different but i feel pretty good about i think the quality of the songs are good enough that i'm hoping that that the people will accept that the people that always liked my music will accept it and take it for what it is, which is a creative departure, you know. But yet there's still some songs on there that sound like me. It sounds like something I would have done, you know, 20 years ago. But yeah. but most of them don't. And and again, that's what we were going for and, and trying to – this was, a, this was the, I'll say, the most artistic record I've ever tried to make. You know, again, we weren't going for country radio. We're not going for – we're not trying to have radio hits. We're, we're, we're just making a really great piece of music and putting it out there and hoping people like it. Yeah, and this this is no this is no insult to the music industry, but you know you get a lot of cookie cutter stuff and just pump out what they tell you and this and that. But mm-hmm. you can hear happiness in this in this in this album, and you know like a like a joy, and and I just really gather that like, um, and I know we go from saying happiness, but I'll tell you my favorite song sounds just like what I thought Hank Williams would probably cut, uh, and that was Dance Alone. Uh, oh, man, thank that, you. That song is straight fire, <laughs> buddy. That, thank you, it. thank you, thank you. That's probably my favorite song on the album. I'm really proud of that. I wrote that. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. I wrote that uh, just just to show you how you know how uh, if you have uh, the story for that goes back to when I was about 22 years old, mm-hmm. living in Portland, Oregon, and my band <laughs> was, was working up there, and we were playing the bars all around Portland. We were very popular. That's why we didn't leave because we had a pretty good little fan base. And my brother, I had our guys, we came up from Texas, you know. And so we were playing a bar downtown one night, downtown Portland, and there's a street there called Burnside. And to, in order to cross the, the Willamette River, you have to go over the Burnside Bridge. And right by that bridge, is sort of the, I guess you say Skid Row, you know, kind of area mm-hmm. of Portland where you see a lot of a lot of that, you know, a lot of uh, homeless people. And mo- men at that time, you, it was always men, and, and usually they looked, like, they looked inebriated, you know, it was – and so you had to drive that way. And so one night, I'm, it was about 2.15, I'd left the club, and I was headed home, and you know, to about 2.15, 2.30 in the morning, and the traffic was stopped. And I looked up ahead to see why it was stopped, and there was there was an old fella out there in the street that was, you know, clearly drunk, and mm-hmm. like a street person, you know, and he was he was dancing just by himself. He was just dancing, and he looked so <laughs> he looked so sincere about it. And, and, I, and so no one had the heart to honk at him or anything, so everyone just kind of sat there and then eventually he moved on and got back on the sidewalk and everybody went on and as I drove by I saw him and and he's kind of he just kind of got down on the ground and just kind of laid laid down mm-hmm. and and I drove off and that, that that image always stuck in my mind and I remember thinking to myself then I thought I wonder what his story is you know I wonder how he got from where he was to that and so when it came time to start it looked like we were going to be doing all my songs for the or mostly my songs on this record, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna write about that. And I had this melody in my head. I've always loved the song uh, "Dreaming My Dreams with You" that Alan Reynolds wrote. Mm-hmm. That Waylon Waylon cut it, and then I cut it on my third album. I covered it 
but it's just a beautiful waltz with this haunting melody. And I thought, man, I sure would love to be able to write a song like Dream of My Dreams. And so I had that, that melody in my head, and I was trying to think about what I was going to write about. And I thought, I'm going to write about that guy. So, so it's kind of, and I just sort of made up the story as to what I think his story might have been. You know? and, but it's, it's just kind of strange that it took me, well, 20, it took me almost 40 years <laughs> from the time I saw that to, to actually write the song, you know. But, but I, I'm, I, I really am proud of that, of that song, and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, well, it's no need to rush into things, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it, it was well worth it because, you know, just sitting and listening to it, like I said, I mean, it's your song, but while I'm listening to it, I'm like, man, this sounds like a song Hank Williams Sr. just lost in the leeway. Maybe he passed away and didn't get a hold of it. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's the vibe I got anyway. And like I said, it's fantastic, though. Buddy, that's, that's like the greatest compliment I yeah. could possibly imagine. I, yeah. I Thank you. I Because I, I, to me, Hank Williams said, set the bar really high yeah you know, in the early 50s man and, he, and and it and and i know that merle haggard and jones and and cash you know Waylon willie they, they they were trying to live up to him yeah and yeah. and then in our generation we were trying to live up to them to those guys you know it, but to me it all starts with hank and he and it's it's people that i think so many of them don't realize he was 29 years old when he died yeah, that's it. What would his what would his 30s have been like? You know, and uh, he was just an amazing, amazing guy. And it's so sad that he that he was so sad. But 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 look at the catalog of material he wrote in such a very short period of time. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, so thank you for that compliment. That's yeah, amazing. It's, it's just when a song stops you in your tracks, like like you said, those era guys did the storyteller songs, and yeah. that's how this song was like. It's thought provoking, and I just I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So I just want to take kudos for that. John, um, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Another, another thing I thought was so cool is that I, I read that Dan Auerbach uh, had his hands dipped into this. Like he didn't produce it, but did he accompany you with everything, or what was the story with that? Yeah, he played some guitar on it because we just wanted him on there. You know, because yeah, he's sure. a friend. He's a see, I'd never met Dan before, but I definitely knew who he was, and I know all about the Black Keys and. And uh, my producer David Ferguson is really good friends with Dan, and they they worked together a lot. They they worked on John Prine a lot of John Prine records and Sturgill Simpson, and, uh, and and so so he wanted me to meet Dan one night. So one after after a session one evening, we drove over to to Dan's studio where he was working on something else, and we sat down and had a few drinks together and just just kind of got acquainted. And uh, I think Fergie just wanted him to meet me to see if he liked me or not, you know. Yeah. And uh, we we definitely hit it off really well. And the next thing I know, he's he's in the studio laying some guitar down. He's a really talented guitar player, real tasty. Yeah. Uh, but it was just cool having him on there, you know, because he definitely was so familiar with his work. Uh, it's just another little cool element that that uh, on this record that I didn't expect. And I think because of who he is, people that follow the Black Keys and know Dan Art, they that maybe don't know that much about me, maybe they'll listen to this record as well and give it a chance. Mm-hmm. No, well, uh, it, you know, I've been a fan, like I said, living in Nashville, or, you know, Middle Tennessee, I should say. Uh, country's been in my blood, and then, you know, I've learned about those guys coming through the ranks, and he was he's just so unique with his sound, he doesn't sound like anybody else, and then when I yeah. found out he was a part of this, I was like, wow, what a cool random combo you wouldn't have think ever came to be, so I was just a little curious about it. Oh, man, that, well, thank you. That's kind of how I felt about it. I, this, this whole album was like that in a way. It was just, like, it was just a departure, and and it's cool when people from other other genres or other uh, that, that come from another way of doing things, I should say, yeah, have res- have respect enough 
for me to want to want to be involved in it. You know what I mean? Just, just that was a good. That's a really good feeling. And as an artist, it makes you. I don't know. It just makes you. Just makes you feel good. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot. Of t- you know, a lot of the top tier talent with you. I mean, you got the uh, newest member of the uh, Eagles on the uh, album with you. Uh, <laughs> and, and let me tell you this: with Rodeo Girl, uh, one thing I wanted to let you know is that when you and him sing together, the du- the uh, the harmony is like of Everly Brothers quality, almost like your DNA is the same. I love oh man, that. thank you. Yeah. And and again, that's that's a huge compliment, man. And I and that having Vince on there was it, it's kind of was kind of another full circle moment on the record because he sang on my very, very, very first single back in 1990. My first single was, a lot of people think it was Love Me because that's the one they remember, but that was actually the second release. The first single uh, was a song called All I Can Be Is a Sweet Memory, and it was written by Harlan Howard. Uh And so we we were over in Franklin cutting the first album, and uh, we loved that song, and Vince had sang the demo to that. So I learned the song off of Vince's demo. And so we're in there cutting it, and and John Hobbs, my producer, was a good good friends with Vince. It had been for years, and he says, you know, you know, it'd be really cool if Vince would come in and sing harmony on this. And I'm like, oh yeah, right, like that's gonna happen. So he calls him up. Forty five minutes later, Vince shows up. The first time I ever met Vince Gill comes in, listens, and already knows the song because he sang it before. Lays down that great vocal, and yeah, I think because we're both are tenors, we mesh together really, really well. And he's like one of the few men on earth that can sing above me <laughs> because I sing pretty high, you know, Vince can get above me, you know, he's, he's just this amazing singer. And, and, uh, so then here we are 30 years later and Fergie's like, David Ferguson's like, you know, man, Vince would sound great on rodeo girl. I said, Oh yeah, I bet he might do it. If, but he's, I said, he's on tour with the Eagles right now. Right. So, I mean, he's probably not. So he calls him Vince immediately. Bam says, yes, comes in, does it. And of course sounds so good on that song. And uh, it's again, so it's just an, again full circle comes back around, and here we are. And and Vince was with me on the very first single that ever went to radio, and here he is again. And he, I just can't say enough good things about Vince Gill. I mean, he's just he's been so always been so generous with his time and his voice. I, I honestly think he enjoys singing harmony more than he enjoys singing lead, and yeah. I, which makes which makes him a perfect fit. For the Eagles, you know, because that's when they lost Glenn. You know, that's that's a huge part of that harmony sound that was gone. Mm-hmm. And even though Deacon is there, and uh, you know, having Vince in there just kind of smooths off a lot of rough edges, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I, I recently watched the, the live concert they provided that I think they cut in 2018, and yeah, they they seem to all fit in there pretty well where they where they're at. So you know, kudos to them. But uh, what what like I said, what really impressed me was that when when you guys started singing together, it was like uh, at, at first, I didn't know that was the song that you and Vince had together because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it uh, via the uh, music that uh, your PR is kind enough to let me listen to. And then I looked yeah. back. I thought it was just you dubbing with yourself, but I was like, oh, my gosh. It just sounded like the Everly Brothers. It sounded like the same person just singing like in a mirror or a cave or something. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Thank you. Well, that you, there's no higher praise than that. And I, I remember back in the 90s, me and him were kind of um, – we were kind of seen as – we were the two tenors, you know, and most everybody else was a baritone, you know, that was on country radio at that time. But me and him were the two tenors, and and uh, I, it was it, it was almost like we had a competition as to who could sing the highest. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I got hear one of his records, and he I'd hear what he hit, and I thought I think I can beat that. <laughs> and then well, I'm sure he was like, well, I think I can beat his. 
<laughs> yeah, when I you know when I first heard you, which I've been a fan for a long time, I always thought that if something were to happen to um, to the guy of Journey, which I know they've got Arnell right now, but I thought some having Steve Perry back in the day, you could have filled in for him perfectly. Oh my gosh, man, I love that band and. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, again, I, I, one reason I sing as high as I do or, or discovered that I can sing as high as I did is back in the 80s, uh, my band worked in Reno a lot, in Nevada, Vegas a little bit, but mostly Reno. And, we, and the reason we were there is for the money. I mean, we, we were making good money as a cabaret band. And mm-hmm. we started out up there playing country music, and we quickly realized what they really wanted was classic rock. Sure. So so I was like, guys, we may have to alter what we're doing here. We still played country, but we but we it got to where it was almost seventy percent classic rock because I could tell that if we want to keep making this good money, that's what they want here. Yeah. And so me and my brothers, you know, we we had been in rock and roll bands and stuff as well as country bands, and so I said, we know how to do this. And so I started doing a lot of Led Zeppelin and Journey and and the Who and uh, you know it, it's especially stuff that involved. A lot of high singing and stuff, and 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 it go, oh, man, I think I can still do this, because I was because in my, the country stuff we had been writing, I was trying to sound like Merle Haggard. Yeah, and that sounds funny, but we were. I wanted to sound. <laughs> I wanted to sound like him, you know. Yeah. And and I thought I could. I thought I was a baritone, and then we started doing that. And I was like, no, then how come I can sing, you know, whole lot of love or or uh, Black Dog by Led Zeppelin? It's like, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm a tenor, you know. Yeah. And so when I when I got signed, uh, or I got my, pr- my first producer who got me my deal with Epic, his name was Jerry Fuller. So when we got in the studio, I started trying to sing low, and he says, "No, we need to raise that. We need to raise that really high because you're a tenor." And I'm like, "Are you are you sure? Because this is country music. I don't think a country singer should sing that high." And and he says, "No, this is what this is what we're going to do." So he just took it to the to the limit, you know, as far as to where. To where and now the, the the only tough part about that is now all these years later, I'm still having to sing those songs in the yeah. same key. Sure, yeah, it's, and I know with a voice like that, you got to practice because you know I I know that if you kind of sit idle, some people have been known to lose it. Like I even read where they they said Steve Perry even dropped a whole octave. I think it was Dean uh, Dean Kane, uh, um, the the guy in his band. I said Dean. It's not John, Dean. No, Jonathan Kane. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. in his book that you know he went down a whole octave. Like I said, it's it's hard when you when you have the gift to be up there that high. Man, thank you so much. Well, I've, I've been blessed because you know, like, I, and I do think of the, with all this uh, dates we lost this year, I've been a little concerned about that because yeah. I haven't sang that much. And and even if I'm sitting around the house with a guitar, I'm not singing full full power yeah. and singing high. I'm singing just covers and stuff I enjoy singing. So I'm seeing lower stuff. So I'm I'm hoping that when when we do get back out there, I'll still be able to sing Little Red Rodeo and, and you know my kind of girl and some of the screamers like that because yeah. they're, they're, we cut them really high, you know. Sure. Of course, and you can always drop them a step, but I just I really have tried not to do that as I've gotten older because I just feel like you're cheating the cheating the audience a little bit, you know. But I but I think you you if you know at some point you can you certainly can if you have to. But so far I haven't had to do that. And I'm, I'm hoping I don't have to. Yeah, my my uh, Colin Ray go to is still feel you. Oh, I mean, that, thank you. That's a great song. That's it. Man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love I love what that song said. Actually, I, I, the girl who wrote that, Tammy Howler, had we'd been in a relationship for about four years, and she was a songwriter, and we broke up, and so she wrote that song with Kim Tribble about us. Wow. So I Paul Worley played it for me. He had heard, he she sent it to him first because she knew Paul real well. And they cut the demo on it, and she and he says, "I want to play a song for you and tell me what you think." 
And so we listened to it. And I said, oh, that's a great song, man. It sounds it kind of hits close to home. And he goes, well, it should. <laughs> I said, he, he said, I said, he said, Tammy wrote it. I was like, oh my gosh. And so, so I was, I was almost a little hesitant to cut it because I thought, well, this might be a little personal, but no, she wanted me to. And, and we, we remained dear friends, you know, we, we're still friends, you know, but, uh, that's, that song went to number one. And so I was so proud, you know, to stand there at the number one party with her. That was her first number one song as a writer. And, and so it was kind of a cool, cool moment for both of us, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, sounds like, you, you know, that's uh <laughs> that's quite a tale. I, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, you know, I, the reason that it related to me, I mean, it's upbeat and it's catchy, but you know, me just like everybody else has experienced that with somebody at some time or another. Oh yeah. And it's, it's hard to shake them loose, you know? Oh yeah. Indeed. If you find, if you find that one, there's, you know, a couple of those in a lifetime, it definitely is. But, um, oh, yeah. it, Anyway, I've, I've taken up too much of your time. I got two more things. I just want to say, I believe Scars is your is your magnum opus. I think you got a Jim Dandy. Oh my gosh! Thank yeah. you. You're, you you made my day, man. Thank <laughs> you so much. That means a lot to me because I can tell you know what you're talking about. You know, you are a student of music, and that's easy. That's fun. easy to hear. That's easy to hear in, in what you say, and that, that means the world to me that you would say that, man. Thank well, you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm 38 now, and I always wanted to be Ralph Emery or at least Jerry House, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, we've got we've got podcasting now, so thank goodness. And you know, I'm lucky enough to speak with guys like you. And you know, thank you for keeping on and creating this incredible music, especially in this trying times. Uh, I did want to share something for you here at the end. You know, and, and like I said, uh, my grandmother passed away a few weeks ago of COVID, and um, my oh, granddad her was married 65 years. And I just wanted you to know that I delivered her eulogy and I played "Love Me" before they took her out. So, uh, oh my gosh, I, I wanted to tell you that uh, you know, here I am. Six foot tall, 280 pounds, and just yeah. my granddad tearing up, me tearing up. But every time I heard that song, you know, when it, you know, you never seen him cry in all my years, just yeah. perfect. And I want you to know if I owe you some royalty, I'll be glad to mail it. Oh, <laughs> no way, man. You just paid it right there, man. No, thank you so very, very much for sharing it with me and for including that at a time like that. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that she's gone. Yeah, she, uh, you know, 80 years, we were lucky to have her, but, you know, things you just happened. That. But that that song was just uh, just the, the key part. It just delivered perfect there at the end. And I just wanted to thank you for bringing it to life, and, and I wanted to let you know I shared it. But, Colin, it was an honor to finally get to talk to you. Hopefully you I'll too, man. Shake your hand. Let's uh, do it again. Whenever you say, yeah. just let us know, okay? Absolutely. It was a, it was a pleasure, and, uh, and good luck with the rest of your interviews, thanks, and I'll have this out on Sunday. All right? Thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. Thanks so much, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. podcast was glad to have this week Noah Wall, fiddle player, lead vocalist for the Barefoot Movement, a bluegrass Americana indie conglomerate taking the world by absolute storm. They have a new cover of Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train uh, in their own stylings, which is absolutely phenomenal. Go to wherever you listen to music and check it out. Go to YouTube, whatever. Uh, go to the band's website, check them out because they are fantastic. A tight knit bunch. Uh, anyway, we talked to Noah about that song, what she's got coming up for a, a little holiday tour, and uh, just what she's doing. So that's next on the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy. So, Noah, I got a little story I want to tell you, okay? All right. So I'm sitting in my vehicle, my Jeep, this morning about 6.30, getting ready to go to work. Um, I had a gravy and biscuit with me, and I decide to listen to this crazy train, and I'm thinking, okay, 
first of all, if you're going to cover the Prince of Darkness, got to bring your A game. <laughs> I listened to it, and I loved it so much. I cried a little bit. Almost got some of my own liquid in my gravy and biscuits. I thought it was so <laughs> fantastic. Awesome. You guys nailed it. I think it, I think in any genre, uh, I think it's the best version uh, of any anybody that's ever tried to cover it. Uh, you guys just it's very polished, and um, I became a fan instantaneously. And just great job. Thank you so much. Well, I'm a huge Ozzy fan, so. I take that as a huge compliment that we did not do him any disservice. Yeah, I, I would love to hear what he would think about it. I don't know how to get it to him, uh, but <laughs> I hope maybe there's somebody that will hear it and ship it his way because I think it's great. And then uh, the fiddling on it is what really, and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you who lead vocals and fiddle, but in the solo that you did, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, just covered it perfectly. It's hard to do on guitar, let alone hit it with a fiddle lip, so just way to go. Thanks. I'm I'm not sure if I, I mean, some of it's kind of impossible to replicate, yeah, but sure. yeah. I did my best, you know, to. Yeah, you, I mean, you did, for what you were working like yesterday, doing it, doing it on that, doing it on a fiddle, that, uh, it was really, really great. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, you know, picking covers and everything, but just, just well done. Um, he said a big Ozzy fan. So, I mean, as a collaborative, how do you guys go about picking these songs that you guys decide to cover? Like, I've seen, you know, you did that one, which is fantastic, but you've also got like your, America's on there, uh, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, you just get together, hey, let's, let's do this, give it a try. Because everybody seems like they're, you know, uh, very well in tune with what's going on. So, Well, as far as stuff that we play live, um, I think that sometimes it can serve multiple purposes. Uh, some songs that are like deeper cut covers, um, like we do a song called Baby Love that's by a 1970s funk rock band. Uh, called Mother's Finest, and we have it recorded. It'll come out one day, but that one is only, I mean, there's not, they don't have as broad a reach, you know, as, as Mother's, I mean, as uh, Ozzy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing that mostly for myself and because I think it's a cool song, and I think the crowd's going to enjoy it, but it's not like that same thing for most people when they hear a song they recognize. It's, so it's serving a different purpose. I think Sometimes covers are to please yourself because you love a song so much, and then other times you love it a lot, just like I do with Crazy Train. Mm -hmm. um, but you know that it, an acoustic band trying to tackle that song is going to turn some heads, and and yeah. it's usually good for like an encore. So that's what we have been doing for years with that song. Um, but as far as the stuff online, uh, that actually, because you mentioned the America and the Fleetwood Mac and whatnot, those kind of fall under this banner of this thing called Tune Twist that we started doing right when pandemic started, uh -huh. and that people could pay us to learn any song, that any popular song, that yeah. is, and we just got a whole bunch of requests, and uh, now we do a thing called Tune Twist Tears, where people can nominate a song uh, for like any dollar amount, and then they can like crowdfund it to get it we only asked three hundred dollars and, and that way you know it was just kind of a little something extra to keep us busy and to keep our chops up during uh during qu quarantine um yeah. and so there's there's a ton of covers now under our tune twist playlist on our youtube channel <laughs> yeah awesome hey I'm, I'm glad to hear about that yeah i'm gonna check into that a little further you're talking about pandemic i just started calling her rona i just gave her a name since we're stuck <laughs> with her so yeah our like old friend, Rona. Yeah, that, that, that uh, gal you just can't get rid of. 
Um, but uh, let, let's uh, like I'm used to this as calling it bluegrass. But do, is that what you guys label yourselves at, or, or what would you call the barefoot movement? Because um, you know it, it, it sounds to me what I'm used to being called bluegrass. But I saw you kind of had a different label, like on your Instagram and stuff. Yeah, I think that bluegrass is is sort of like uh, you know the Constitution or the Bible. You have people that interpret it one way very loosely, and others interpret it very strictly. And um, I think that for me, I I know that it's bluegrass inspired for sure. But you know, depending on what region you're in or what festival you're playing. Um, I think a large majority of, of diehard bluegrass fans would not consider us bluegrass, especially because our new release has drums on it um, and it's got, yeah. you know, some R&B beats and things and maybe some rock and roll vibes. But um, I I think that there's definitely parts of it that are bluegrass. I yeah. We don't have a name that we've settled on that's the perfect thing other than Americana, Roots Music, acoustic folk uh i mean acoustic pop or even you know any yeah, of those yeah. so sure. we're, we're still working on that that's great i mean you can get more gigs that way but <laughs> be more diverse <laughs> and, and when you said drums you know uh, thinking of bluegrass because you don't hear a lot of drums I, it made me go back to uh and you might be a little too young for this but the buddy holly movie do you remember that i haven't seen it but i i do know what you're talking <laughs> about well, uh, Buddy Holly brings the group from Lubbock, Texas to Nashville, and the drums are in there, and he's, you know, telling them all these ideas, how he wants to arrange with strings, and how he wants to do this and this, and I just remember this old country guy who's back there, he's got on a suit, and he goes, they don't even allow drums at the Grand Ole Opry, and I just, <laughs> when you said that, it just made me think about that. Um, I'm sorry, this is so funny. Uh, what what just reminds me, do you know what the difference between a violin and a fiddle is? Well, what they always say here in North Carolina, the only difference is whether you're buying or selling. Well, uh, I, was told, <laughs> I was told that a violin has strings and a fiddle has strings. That is also true. That is, that is that. an insider tip. So. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, so, okay. Uh, and that's what, and you guys did a creative way of kind of staying afloat and keeping yourself occupied during uh, Rona, but... Uh, I saw that, I was going to ask you about touring, I saw you have a Christmas thing coming up, which is kind of groovy. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. It's just a couple shows that um, were holdouts. I mean, normally our Christmas tour is a huge part of our year. We have a holiday album, and, you know, there the one tour I remember we uh, played in Charles, well, somewhere near Greenville, somewhere, South Carolina, mm-hmm. on a Tuesday, and then in Denver on a Wednesday. Wow. So it's it's normally a lot busier, but considering that these are the first shows that we've played since March, um, we're we're really excited. They're just two shows outside of one's outside of Atlanta, one's outside of Savannah in Georgia. Um, socially distanced, all that. I think they're doing fifty percent capacity. Um, not sure about ticket sales. I'm not sure if there's any left. Um, probably. So I you know check that out if you're near Georgia, but it will be mostly holiday music. Uh, you can listen to our holiday album to, um, you know, kind of get the idea of what we'll be doing. And we also have a, a friend, uh, Brooks Hubbard, who's coming on the road with us um, to fill in for our guitar player. Alex um, is on hiatus right now uh, because of our dear friend Rona. He uh, is in yeah, school yeah. and so he's, a lot of his schooling takes place on the weekends, so he's not able to 
especially right, you know, around the holidays, ditch mm-hmm. school for the weekend. So that'll be new, but we got rehearsal plan and I'm just I'm just really looking forward to being able to sing again with my with my bandmates. So Yeah, just just with warm blooded mammals around. <laughs> it's yeah. gotta be a thrill. <laughs> I went to a little uh a little performance last night on Printer's Alley and it's just it was so exciting, you know, you know, half capacity like you said, but just to just to hear music fill the air, you know, for a brief minute, you just feel like a regular person, not somebody that's caged up looking, you know, like a zoo animal or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually went to a drive-in show recently, and, you know, what I love that the drive-ins are kind of thriving right now. Yeah. Um, but I was disappointed because the, the show was movie, and I thought it was going to be a live band, yeah. And I was uh, just like, y'all, I've seen enough on movie screens. Like I've seen enough on my computer. Like I, I anyway, but it was it was yeah. still fun, but it wasn't what I expected. Yeah, yeah, I understand <laughs> like uh here I live in uh, Columbia, Tennessee, uh and uh the local uh, Lewisburg Theater was playing Metallica and uh, it it was just the same thing, you know, you know it's going to be on the screen, but like the way they were charging to you thought they would have really been there. And yeah, you just wish you weren't there like like John Snyder, you know, Bo Duke from Dukes of Hazard, he's actually coming. He's bringing some bands, so I know that's going to be awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I, I'd probably pay that much to see Metallica on screen. I admit it. I, they're one of my favorites, too. So <laughs> I, yeah. I actually wanted to see that, the the um, the orchestra but yeah, yeah, exactly. that they played with. But, I yeah, I, I think we were moving at the time or something, and I, I couldn't make it, so I'll have to yeah. rent it. That's it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be out eventually. Probably not as expensive as it was to carry a car in there, but uh, that's pretty good. Um, let's see. I had a so uh, you got that going, and there's uh, let's see the the you got an original holiday song you're going to be dropping. Let's talk about it. It's called I uh, Just Wish You Would Snow. I believe is that correct? Yes. I'm. We just finished the video, and um, it's so sweet. It's uh, some friends of ours here in, in uh, North Carolina, are, they've done a lot of our videos, and they captured me making a pie in my mom's kitchen, the crust at least, yep. and uh, it, it's just really sweet. It's, it's a song that I wrote about growing up in the South. I'm sure you can relate. And sure. It's just the chorus says, I just wish it would snow, but I know it's warm in Carolina. So it's like, it's just that whole thing is that, you know, I remember a white Christmas or two here and there, but most of the time you're looking at January, February, and it's just a song wishing that it would snow around Christmas, even though it's it's probably unlikely. Yeah, that's it. Maybe one day. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I, I've been a few times in my life where I've still got on shorts and flip-flops, you know, right towards the uh, oh, middle no. of December. Yeah, you it's, never it's know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you never do. But it would be nice to, to wake up at least – I mean, most people, myself included, is if I'm afraid to drive in it. But if you've at least got a nice little cover for the roads are still dry, I think we'd be – you know, you'd be good to go. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. comes December 4th. The song will be out. Um, and then the video, we're not exactly sure when it will debut. But um, I think that all Southerners especially – can relate or anybody that is like loves snow around <laughs> around the holidays yeah. so that's uh, it hope people enjoy it yeah because i mean you can show a picture on social media here of snow and then somebody you know that's from like pennsylvania or something be like no this is snow and you have to shovel for an hour just to get out of the garage so <laughs> um uh, <laughs> um 
Let's see. I had – oh, yeah. I wanted to know – I have one more question for you, and I appreciate you talking with me. How did you get this name, the Barefoot Movement? I really like it, but there's got to be some kind of story behind it. Thank you. Well, yeah. I get asked that question a lot, so I, I apologize if my story is um, – uh, rehearsed, but it is. Sure, that's uh, fine. I, I mean, so, I, I'm sure you can ask about, yeah. <laughs> people, at which I'm totally happy to answer. I, I'm glad people find the name intriguing. Um, the truth is, it just popped into my head one night, um, and I don't remember. I mean, there's no reason why it should have, but I remember the moment that it happened. I was walking outside in the country and. I had just slipped some shoes on that were sitting by the door, and when I looked down at my feet, I had on two different shoes. And I kind of just looked at my feet and laughed for a second, and then the barefoot movement popped into my head. And I just felt like a eureka moment because we were looking for a band name, and it felt like it just captured our whole vibe, which is that we want people to feel like they're at home during our shows, like they can really take a load off, like they're really in a safe space where they can – relax and be comfortable and kind of let go of the worries of the world for a little while. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, my Southern upbringing and hearing people say, come on in, y'all take your shoes off, you know, which yeah, yeah, exactly. didn't mean like, you know, don't get the floor dirty. It meant like you're, you can take your shoes off and, and stretch and relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's kind of the whole vibe behind the name and, and it just sort of fit and it also makes it really easy because now I don't have to choose any shoes to wear on stage. Uh, yeah. we just play barefoot. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Well, you know, you got some like a little bit of area right underneath it. <laughs> it is on a writer or a request. <laughs> There you go. You got to have that bowl of uh, green M and M's and that uh, that area rug. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, it's been a, a pleasure. I became a diehard fan, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. I really enjoy you guys, and uh, when the world uh, re-enters uh, itself to where we can get together, I'm, I'm definitely going to catch a show here when you can get around the Nashville area. Thank you so much. We love Nashville. I've lived there for, I guess, four or six years. I just moved away, but our bass player still lives there, so. I know we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, you never you never can get too far. Well, anyway, have a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving, and I appreciate your time, okay? All right. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And that wraps up this week's Uncharted podcast. We did a salute to the 90s thanks to megastars Marty Raven of Shenandoah and Colin Ray of Colin Ray. Uh, Also, we had Noah Wall on board. She is a young lady. She might have been born in the 90s, but anyway, she's in a bluegrass Americana indie conglomerate supergroup called the Barefoot Movement where she does vocals and plays fiddle, and she is phenomenal along with the rest of her group. Uh, Thank you to all my guests. Uh, And also, for you, the listeners, thank you. Without you, there'd be no point in doing this podcast. I'm truly grateful you take the time. You could be doing anything, and you're listening to old Josh Belcher flap his gums with some of the finest entertainers that have ever graced planet Earth, and I'm truly grateful. And with that being said, if you know anybody you think would be a good guest, have them hit me up at all, as always, at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. We'd love to have them. And I want you to have a safe and happy and delightful Thanksgiving holiday with your family. Uh, trickling into next week, people are probably coming in now. So I hope they're safe, safe travels. And if you're staying home safe, may you have a happy, wonderful time. And remember, as always, I love you for you and where you're at in life. All right, we'll catch you next week. Uncharted Podcast, over and out. Thank you.